You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Locked on Bucks. It's a victorious edition of Locked on Bucks. The Bucks bouncing back from their disappointing Game One performance tonight against the Boston Celtics in Game Two. They exact uh, a matter of revenge, 123-102, to even up the series one to one, heading back to Boston. I'm Frank Madden, joining you in a solo pod. Eric Name, my partner in crime, is covering the game tonight and writing about it for The Athletic, so be sure to check out Eric's continuing coverage of the game from uh, from the locker room tonight. Um, but overall, whew, a sigh of relief game for the Bucks. I, I don't think it was uh, surprising to see the Bucks bounce back with a win, um, but I think it was a game that nevertheless, um, I mean, it's a must-win game. <laughs> you can't go down 0-2 uh, in a series where you have home court. I mean, it, you, you just can't do it. Um, I think as much as the Bucks game one loss obviously was disappointing, there is a fair amount of history, especially recently, of teams losing game one in convincing fashion and still winning the series. I think uh, I saw a stat, the last four series in which uh, a higher seed lost by, I believe it was 15-plus in game one at home, uh, they actually won the series the last four times that's happened, which... Uh, is strange. I I mean, I can't necessarily explain it other than the fact that, you know, sometimes teams just come out and game one of a series and just aren't, aren't fully prepared for it and, and need that one game to adjust and adjust is probably the, the, the word of the day for the bucks, given uh, we talked yesterday about how much stock to put into uh, Mike Budenholzer and the rest of the bucks, maintaining that they were not going to make major adjustments heading into Game two, uh, Mike Budnos are not known to make a lot of adjustments. Uh, certainly in the playoffs has been criticized for kind of staying true to his team's identities and, and being slow to make adjustments. Um, but I'd say the good news was that that was uh, not the case tonight. So uh, perhaps a bit of gamesmanship yesterday uh, in the media sessions by the Bucks, insisting they weren't going to change anything. Um and let me start off, uh, we'll get to the adjustments in a moment. Um, I think the way we'll do it, uh, again, as I've done it the last couple of times I've done these solo pods, is uh, to kind of break it down, highlight three bucks who were the most important kind of standouts of the game, then focus on three numbers that, that really tell the story of the game, and then look at kind of three positives and three negatives, three good, three bad, um, that uh, both kind of help tell the, the thematic story of, of tonight's game as well as maybe look ahead a little bit to uh, to what's to come uh, as the series moves to Boston. I, I think if we're going to start with, with any player tonight, uh, I'm going to start with a guy who I have often not had time for in the playoffs, uh, has gotten maybe a bit short uh, shrift, and, and that's Chris Middleton. And 
Chris Middleton, of course, I think everybody knows he was terrific in the playoffs a year ago against Boston. Um, had a very solid first game on Sunday. Certainly a much better performance than either Giannis Adetokounmpo or, or Eric Bledsoe. Uh, and tonight he was uh, once again red hot from, from the perimeter. He finishes with 28 points, 7 out of 10 from 3, 7 boards, um, plus 25 uh, on the night. Uh, he got got it going early with some pull-up threes. That's that's something that he has really added to his game this year. Uh, you know, I think we talked about at some point this season, you know, a few years ago, Chris Middleton was a guy who 98% of his three-point makes were assisted. Last three years, that number has kind of bounced between 85 to 89%. This year, down way down to 60%, which is a bit counterintuitive, right? This team, supposedly more free-flowing, moves the ball should be more open shots, right? Chris Middleton should be taking and making more open shots, more shots in rhythm, more assisted shots, but that's actually not been the case. Um, you know, just 60% of his three-pointers being assisted tells you that he's really been able to add kind of that pull-up three to his game. We saw it again tonight, um, got him going early, got the Bucks out of a, a little bit of another first quarter rut. Giannis struggling to, to get things going again early, um, at least in terms of non-foul line production. Bledsoe was MIA in the first quarter again, and Middleton's shooting, I think, was, again, a really big positive, kind of getting the Bucks off to a hot start from three. Then he got into more of a kind of rhythm rhythm game, hit some corner threes off good ball movement, um, and just overall, uh, you know, you just can't say enough about what he's done, and especially when you compare it to, uh, you know, the other side with, in particular, Jason Tatum. Um, I think Jason Tatum's now got nine points through two games tonight, just two out of ten five points only had four points in game one uh Jalen Brown was better uh had another uh, bit of a come down though as well from last game uh, 16 points on 12 shots uh minus 29 uh, again he tried to take advantage of of Nikola Meritic who was probably the biggest adjustment seeing him go in the starting five we'll get a little bit more to that but overall um Middleton by far the best wing uh for either team in this game and um can't say enough about how much he has been contributing uh, here in the playoffs again for for the second straight year, which obviously is great to see because uh, you know Chris is certainly a, a bellwether for this team. Another bellwether for this team, second buck I would highlight Eric Bledsoe, and you know whereas Middleton has been the the rock <laughs> from uh, the perspective of all these playoff games the Bucks have played against the Celtics over the past year, Bledsoe has not been the rock. Uh, he has been I don't know a wet paper towel, uh, something very unreliable. Uh, he has obviously struggled. You, you obviously wonder how much of that at this point was was mental uh, with the struggles last year. Didn't play well in the regular season against the Celtics, 11 points per game against the Celtics regular season. Um, and game one, another uh, really big struggle uh, to get going. Even with Kyrie Irving, who obviously isn't a great defender, uh, guarding him for much of the night, uh, Bledsoe just could not get on track. And first quarter looked like it again. Just, uh, just always seemed to be caught between whether he should be attacking, whether he should be trying to play make, um, miss his first couple shots, couple turnovers, just, again, looked all out of sorts. And then the second quarter happened. He scored 10 points. I think he was four out of five. His only miss was on a, a nice drive where he missed a layup, hit a couple threes. Um, he finishes his night 21 points on 12 shots, three out of five from deep, five assists, a couple blocks, uh, including a spectacular one on Kyrie. did have four turnovers, but uh, plus 23 for him in just 26 minutes. Uh, he was excellent, and this was more like the Eric Bledsoe that we saw uh, all throughout the regular season. And 
Um, you know, you compare what he did versus what Kyrie did. Four out of 18 for Kyrie, one out of five from three. He didn't attempt a free throw. Uh, nine points minus 19 in 31 minutes. I mean, if if Bledsoe wins the Kyrie matchup, then the Bucks are generally going to be in very good shape. We talked about last game the uh, problem the Bucks are going to have if Al Horford outplays Giannis um, tonight. Both of the the power forward and the point guard matchups went the Bucks way, and they're not going to lose if that happens. But Bledsoe, to his credit, um, just looked so much more confident. You know, started hitting some threes, getting to the rim, using that quickness to to get to the rim and, and finish the way we know he can. Um, it, it's a really big deal for Bledsoe again, just kind of getting getting off the Schneid a little bit uh, against the Celtics, and then starting to feel like he can play the way we know he can play. Now, obviously, the next test. Can he do it in Boston, where uh, which has been a little bit of a house of horrors, uh, obviously over the past year? As I as I mentioned uh, early in the series, did have 23 points on, on I think 12 shots in Game Seven last year. So uh, hopefully he can do that again. Um, but certainly uh, he's a guy that that needed to start to rewrite um, the narrative for himself uh, against the Celtics, and, and he certainly made a, a big strides big strides in doing that starting in the second quarter tonight. Speaking of changing narratives, Giannis, um, certainly I think the national shows are going to lead with with what he did. Game uh, game high, 29 points on 16 shots, uh, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, a couple steals, a block, plus 20, just one turnover and two fouls in 31 minutes. Again, 31 minutes, they, they brought him back for a couple minutes in the fourth quarter, really didn't, didn't need him at that point. They were up big time. Um, but Giannis was, um, you know, and again, actually – Missed his first three shots, but was getting to the line. Uh, but even so, his first three trips to the free throw line, he he really could have had and ones on all three of those plays. Just could not get the ball to drop, finishing around the rim for the second straight game. He wasn't great the rest of the game either in terms of finishing. Um, did hit seven out of his last 13. Um, badly missed his first couple threes. Uh, but as the game wore on, uh, he grew in, in, in importance. And he was really the engine of the Bucks' decisive third quarter, um, both playmaking as well as attacking, playing defense. Um, this was a much more engaged and, and you know, channeling his energy into productivity in a way that, that he didn't in game one. I thought his reads were much quicker tonight, um, you know, even just for assists, but just felt like he his recognition was much better in terms of being able to say, okay, you know what, I've got a sea of Celtics around me. I'm going to make the kick out right now and, and get somebody else an open look. Um, so I think a much, much smarter game, much more measured game from Giannis. And in that third quarter, he also hit a couple of big threes, even through a little bit of a shimmy after the second one, which extended the Bucks' leave, I believe it was, to uh, 86-71. Um, so obviously, if Giannis is going to keep hitting threes and, and start to get things going a bit more, uh, with his normal driving game, uh, obviously that's that's big and interesting in the kind of the way that they got him going a bit. Obviously, the story of Game One was um, you know mainly Horford and what he was able to do defensively. Uh, Baines also had some really good possessions against him defensively, um, but I thought they did a, just an, a really nice job of trying to get him kind of facing different guys. Um, we saw them using uh, Brooke Lopez as a screener, which you never really see. Um, because typically teams just go under those screens because they are daring Giannis to shoot. Celtics have been different. They have really played aggressively on Giannis um, to try to give up, you know, kind of stay up on him, not give him an ability to generate a head of steam. Um, we even saw uh, Horford like face guarding him, trying to get the ball 25 feet from the hoop uh, in the first quarter. 
Uh, and so they kind of did different things. They were able to force more switches, get Giannis matched up against guys other than Horford. Uh, and I thought that just generally helped a bit, let him go downhill a bit more. And, and again, just being a bit smarter uh, and more um, decisive in his reads, I think, uh, kind of helped a lot. So, you know, again, even not like a Herculean Giannis effort. I mean, this was, you know, to be honest, a pretty average sort of stat line from Giannis. The 13 out of 18 from the line certainly um, helped, um, but uh, 29 points on, on 16 shots. He can be certainly more efficient than he was, but overall, again, winning the matchup with Horford, who had a quick start but finishes 6 out of 10, 3 out of 5 from 3, um, but no free throws, 15 points, 5 turnovers uh, in 29 minutes, and a minus 10 versus Giannis plus 20. Um, you know, again, they, they need Giannis to, to win that matchup, and uh, obviously tonight they did. Obviously, that's that's a crucial thing kind of moving forward. Um, so those are the three bucks. Now jumping into to three numbers, um, I think one to start with, I mean, you look at the the, the offensive and defensive ratings uh, tonight for the Bucks. They were at a 90 offensive rating in game one tonight, 121 offensive rating versus 100 defensive rating. It was 112 in the last game. So obviously the offense and defense, I mean, everything kind of turned around. Um, and, and if you're wondering, okay, well, what was the difference? Well, Easiest thing to look at was the three-point line. 20 out of 47 from three for the Bucks. Look, the Celtics, if they're going to lock down the paint, you got to make them pay from the perimeter. Um, the Bucks taking 47 threes to the Celtics 28, I think says a lot about the Bucks kind of playing the game that uh, was there for them, uh, taking advantage of that collapsing defense by getting good looks at threes. And, you know, Boston only getting 28 threes, I mean, this is why I kind of didn't feel so bad about game one. Um, I, I think, you know, again, I thought the Bucks. You know, we'll talk about the adjustments in, in a minute, but they did make adjustments that I thought made sense, mainly just the, the switching one through four um, throughout the game. Um, but, you know, game one, they only allowed 31 threes, which isn't a ton of volume. And tonight, 10 out of 28 for Boston. Again, you know, not a lot of volume. Um, and, and for a Bucks team that has struggled to you know the one thing they didn't do was was limit teams shooting a lot of threes for them to do that in the first couple of games is is certainly a plus um and you know again just not letting them kind of run wild with pick and pops or ball movement especially the way they did in the second half on sunday uh, obviously a, a major plus for the bucks and if the bucks shoot 19 more threes uh, in every game this series i think you're going to be pretty happy with the results um just because that means that Boston, which doesn't really like to go to the rim anyway, is probably shooting a lot of mid-rangers um, and playing kind of the, the math game that the Bucks have obviously done very well with all season. Um, the other kind of flip side of that, though, just 34 paint points for the Bucks. Uh, they actually lost the battle of the paint for the second straight game to Boston. To me, that's a bit of a cautionary tale still. Uh, you know, on the one hand, you can say it's the Bucks taking what was given to them, and I think that's that's true, right? They Got a lot of good looks at threes. Uh, they hit many of them. Um, but, you know, again, not really getting a lot going in the paint uh, is still something to watch and gives me a little bit of pause. Um, they were only plus four in terms of free throw attempts this game, so they didn't have that huge uh, benefit in terms of, um, you know, winning the the line, which, again, sometimes kind of mass, uh, you know, what's happening in the paint if they just foul a lot. Um, certainly they followed Giannis a ton, you know, 13 out of 18 made free throws. Um, but Boston winning the paint points, 36, 34, I believe that's the second worst game of the season for the Bucks. I believe, uh, at 34, their worst was game one. So 
it's not like they solved how to get easy baskets against the Celtics in game two. They just basically said, okay, we're just going to take a lot of open threes and, and we're just going to make a lot of these. Um, but I think that's something to watch. You know, I, I don't know if the Celtics can do this every game, to be honest. Um, I think it's still an opportunity there to, to get better and, and improve in terms of um, figuring out how they can get more easy stuff getting, getting to the rim. Um, but an interesting stat nonetheless that they basically didn't, you know, start getting back to their dominant ways in the paint. But um, this has been a strength of the Bucks all season. They have been able to win different ways. They are able to score different ways. Um, we talked a lot during the regular season about how the Bucks were very good at being able to have nights where they miss a ton of threes and still win games because they just, you know, space you out so much that they create those driving lanes and just still kill you inside. Tonight it was the opposite. Tonight they said, okay, you know, we're, we're still going to do a little bit inside. We're going to free throw line. Giannis is going to do his thing still, maybe not be nuclear Giannis, um, but we're going to take a ton of threes if you're going to give us room to do so. And obviously, uh, you know, hitting 20 out of 47, you're, you're going to like your odds when the Bucks shoot, shoot that many threes. Um, the other number, the third quarter I mentioned, 24 to two run to close the third quarter around the seven minute mark. It was 74, 71. And it was a, that was a really pivotal moment in the game because, you know, you remember last game I mean, the Bucks had a lead early in the third quarter against Boston. And then the wheels just kind of came off. Um, tonight, Boston was the team that had the wheels come off. Giannis again was really the, the motor of it on both ends. Um, they just close out that quarter 24 to two, uh, extended it to 28 to two early in the fourth quarter and just completely blew the game open. Giannis with a couple of threes, started getting things going to the rim. Um, you know, just generally the Bucks playing with a lot of flow, a lot of rhythm, looking like they had much better tempo than game one, getting into stuff, uh, quicker than, than they did in game one where they just looked a bit lackadaisical, um, compared to what we kind of normally expect. So, um, that obviously, I mean, you, you have a plus 26 run in a game you're probably going to win the game. And that, that was the game that blew it wide open. Celtics seemed like they were shooting just tons and tons of long mid-rangers and kind of, you know, mid-range floaters and kind of non-restricted area paint shots. Um, again, they made a lot of those in game one, missed a lot of them in game two. That kind of part of the court and how the Celtics do in those, those areas, I think is probably going to tell a big part of the story moving forward. Kyrie, obviously, typically can kill you from those areas in ways that very few guys can. But tonight he didn't <laughs> nine points on 18 shots. Um, he will be better next game, but certainly encouraging to see uh, the way that that Bledsoe and George Hill um, managed to defend him. And when they got switches, you know, there really wasn't a situation where Kyrie really punished, uh, punished you with any sort of uh, consistency. Uh, talking about the three positives, the three good things uh, thematically that we saw, so I've, I've buried the lead completely here because the no adjustments line from Bud, of course, ended up being uh, more gamesmanship than anything. We saw Nikola Mirotic start in place of Sterling Brown. Sounded like it was um, going to be related to maybe Brown being a bit dinged up, um, but Sterling ultimately did play uh, as a reserve again tonight. But Mirotic comes in, and you think, okay, you know, now you're stretching out the floor. Um, this was, if you know, if any move was going to be made starting starting lineup wise, I think this was the obvious one just because. You know, I mean, look look at the game when Malcolm Brogdon got hurt, right? First half, we talked about it the other night uh, against the Miami Heat, seemingly, uh, what was it, uh, basically a couple months ago, almost at this point. Um, Brogdon gets hurt. Second half, they're down 20 to start. Miritich comes in. They go jumbo. They ultimately win that game. 
going away uh, in a huge comeback win. We saw a lot of that jumbo lineup approach with Miritich, but then he gets hurt. So we've obviously seen Brown kind of take that starting spot at the two guard instead of the Bucks going with this jumbo lineup. And the interesting thing is, I mean, you can't say that the jumbo lineup like worked <laughs> in terms of, you know, how they came out in the first quarter. I mean, they did not have a fast start. They missed some open shots. Uh, Miritich ends up getting a couple of quick fouls. Um, looked like he had blocked Jalen Brown, gets called for a foul on a three-pointer, then picks up another foul, kind of, you know, maybe a little questionable, but, um, you know, two quick fouls, he goes out. Uh, and interestingly, in comes Pat Connaughton, who was not good in game one. And, I mean, if you told me Pat Connaughton was going to play 30, night, 30 minutes again tonight, I would have groaned very loudly. Um, better results tonight, though. Just four shots, one out of three from, from deep, five points on those four shots, but did have 11 rebounds, three assists. Kind of had more of that energy. Uh, ended up a plus 15. Still had some, you know, kind of classic Pat Connaughton, uh, massive vertical closeouts where the guy just sidesteps him and gets an open shot. But um, ultimately, much better results from Connaughton. I don't know why he's playing as much as he is. Uh, obviously, part of it was garbage time in the fourth quarter. But um, I do not think that Pat Connaughton playing 25 or 30 minutes a game is going to maximize the Bucks' chances of winning moving forward. Um, but he's obviously been a guy that, that Bud has relied on a lot uh, over these past couple months. And uh, we'll see We'll see if that kind of is something that, that ultimately haunts the Bucks, or if he can rise to the occasion. He is a, a Massachusetts native, so you know it's sweet for him to, to come out of, uh, of this winning games. But anyway, if the Miritich move, the, the, that was sort of the obvious thing. Um, I'd say for Miritich, he really didn't hit shots tonight, but he ended up a plus 22. And, and actually, I mean, he made defensive plays. He had a block. He had three steals. It was kind of interesting that that, that was maybe the, the way he made a more obvious impact in this game. Um, but, you know, again, like he's obviously a crucial guy. He can get hot. He's obviously a guy you have to account for all over the floor. Uh, he ends up playing 25 minutes, nine points, uh, nine rebounds, those couple assists, and, and the, the four stocks tonight. Um, again, I don't know if, if him starting is some sort of huge solution or aha, Um but again, the Bucks have been successful going jumbo. Again, I don't think this is necessarily the team that going jumbo on like makes a great difference. Um, you know, it, it does make Jalen Brown uh, have a bigger role or more pressure because he obviously is a guy who's going to want to take advantage of having someone like Miritich on him. But um, stay tuned to see if if that continues in in Game Three. Um, other adjustments. I mean, the big one was for me was the fact that they came out right away and were switching. Uh, one through four. So um, they weren't necessarily, you know, switching Brooke Lopez on a Kyrie Irving or something like that. Um, but pretty much everybody else was switching. Uh, and I think that kind of gummed up a lot of what the Celtics kind of like to do. I mean, an, an obvious one, you know, Gordon Hayward got downhill a, a bunch of times off pick and rolls in game one uh, and really gave the Bucks problems tonight. You know, if you're switching all these kinds of, of actions like that, um, it's just a lot harder for, for some of these guys to, to kind of get going downhill. Um, Hayward in particular, 31 minutes, one out of five, five points total, minus 30. Uh, he was pretty much MIA tonight. Um, and again, I think some of that was some of the adjustments the Bucks made defensively. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I think if the Bucks are switching a lot of stuff and we saw 
uh, Giannis and, and others switched on to Kyrie. We even saw Urson switch on to Kyrie at some point. Um, you know, sometimes he's going to be able to get to the rim and, and finish. Sometimes he's going to hit really difficult shots. It's what Kyrie does. You, know, you have to kind of live with it. And tonight he took a lot of difficult shots and he just missed a lot of difficult shots. And again, I think uh, in the grand scheme of the universe, you kind of have to live with Kyrie making difficult mid-range shots if you kind of, you know, can can make sure he doesn't just get layups when he's switched on to bigger guys. I think you just live with whatever happens tonight. Four out of 18. Yeah, you you can certainly live with that. Neither Kyrie nor Al took a single free throw. Obviously, that's that's a major plus for the Bucks. Even though Boston took a lot more free throws tonight. I think they took eight in game one. They took 27 tonight. Um, but I believe they were at 12 after the first quarter. So they came out getting the line a ton, and then that really kind of petered out over, over the rest of the game. So um, I thought that was an interesting one. Um, otherwise, some other adjustments, um, you know, I think just stylistically, especially from Giannis, quicker decision-making, decisiveness uh, in terms of kickouts and then guys actually shooting threes. Uh, I think that was definitely a, a major plus to see. Um, as I mentioned in the Giannis discussion, more work kind of getting him switched on to smaller guys or anybody who is not Al Horford, uh, you know, putting Brooke into pick and rolls. We talked about this uh, actually last night, um, you know, with the way that they were playing Giannis close and trying to, you know, really gum up his ability to get going downhill. Do you try a, a big, big pick and roll just because the Bucks don't normally do that and it's a different look you can give them? Um, we also saw the, the kind of typical inverted pick and rolls that the Bucks always run with either Hill or Bledsoe screening. Um, tonight, though, the difference was, you know, a lot of times when they do that, they're trying to get Giannis going downhill um, and, and getting something going to the basket with, with the big man kind of getting tied up by, by the Bucks point guard. Um, they didn't get that tonight. I mean, you know, as long as the, the other guard, uh, for, for the defense can kind of get out on Giannis, you can slow him down and sort of just hedge hard and, and kind of take away his momentum that happened again tonight, but a couple times Giannis was smart and he basically realized, okay, you know what? Like, I'm not going to be able to attack the rim necessarily right away, but I can get a switch out of this. And so, um, you know, that's one of those, another one of those ways that you can get him moved around and facing different guys. Cause again, anybody you can get him matched on other than Horford, I think is generally a, a positive. Um, and you put Al on, especially a smaller player, who he's got a mark out onto the perimeter. It suddenly puts them in a, in a different position. And if Al wants to help off that guy, then Giannis can make a read, find that guy open for a three. So um, I thought that was uh, another kind of kind of key one. We'll talk a lot more about um, the the adjustments uh, with Eric tomorrow, but um, certainly that was that was probably the, the biggest one. Just you know, we were all concerned no adjustments were coming, and Bud was just going to bang his head against the wall until his team figured it out. If they figured it out, um, but fortunately uh, there were some adjustments, and I think in general. Um, it, especially I think it slowed the Celtics down a bit offensively and uh, defense and, uh, for the Bucks on offense, I think it, it did help get Giannis going a bit more, um, and helped other guys get going a bit more as well. Uh, and a lot of that was just mindset. Um, but I think it was a, an interesting night because of the, the variety of, of changes, both, you know, lineup wise, tactically, um, all sorts of, uh, kind of different things the Bucks did that maybe didn't jump off the page significantly other than, you know, there was a change in the starting five, but, um, you know, ironically that might've been kind of less, less important than, than some of the other things that was happening. Um, another good thing, I mean, Giannis just answering the bell. I mean, look, he, he is under the microscope in a new way now. Uh, he is by, you know, certainly all the public, uh, counting of, of public votes that, that have been made for the MVP he is all but assured to win that award. And he's going to be the focal point of 
the Celtics defensive scheme and certainly pretty much every other uh, team that the Bucks are going to run off, run up against. They're going to try to focus on taking away Giannis. Um, and he did not have an easy time again tonight. Uh, they continued to play physically with him. Uh, he didn't necessarily get a lot of shots that, that maybe he might normally get to go down again tonight. But he got to the line a ton again, more so than, than game one. 18 free throws tonight uh, versus 10 in game one. Um, hit another couple of big threes. I mean, the fact that he's five out of nine from three in these first two games um, is definitely encouraging. Badly missed his first couple threes, uh, which was interesting that, you know, good to see that he still had that confidence to keep shooting and, and hitting some big threes and big moments in that third quarter as the Bucks really blew that game wide open, I think was just really, uh, really fun to see. Um, and I think just from the Bucks in general, I mean, the, the fact that in the last game, you know, close game, third quarter they just got you know blown out of the water uh, in uh, in the game on Sunday to come out tonight you know again 74 71 you're making all these threes and you can't shake these guys right like it was a bit nervy because well what if the bucks stop making all these three pointers do the Celtics have a run in them can the same thing happen right you it's natural to fear that a little bit again I think I think most people thought the bucks were gonna obviously come out and play much better um, and, and win this game in all likelihood. Um, but to be able to turn it on in a moment when last game it went the complete opposite direction, I think is just generally a positive thing. I mean, in a lot of ways, maybe that helps them more than if this game was, you know, just a blowout from the start, right? Just having to have that dogfight and, and having to, uh, keep your composure, uh, you know, to, to survive, uh, uh again, a Celtics team that, um, it's always tough to, to, you know, again, it's always tough for a road team to win the first two games at home, especially given, you know, the other team's supposed to be better, better, right? That's why they have home court. Um, but I think, again, it was just encouraging to box, see the Bucks looking more like the Bucks. And, again, this team has answered the bell after a loss in all but one all but one time this season, right? They they avoided back-to-back losses uh, throughout this season other than that, that one game, second game in Phoenix that they lost. Um, so for them to come out and, and play the way that we know they're capable of playing, but also make some, some adjustments and, and not just, you know, again, try to, you know, do exactly the same thing and hope for a different result. I thought was just generally a really encouraging thing. Um, three bad, um, you know, I, I think I'd start with just the outlier nature of some of the, the numbers in the box score. I mean, Kyrie, obviously an outlier shooting night, you're not going to hold him down to four out of 18 very often. Um, so of course you, you have to win a game when you do that. And he's probably not going to have another game like this. Um, but again, it was not, you know, totally coincidence. I mean, you make him take tough shots. He's more likely to have a shooting night like this. And we know obviously that, that Bledsoe and George Hill have been guys who can obviously defensively give teams problems. Um, I'd like to see more George Hill and, and less Pat Connaughton, but, um, that's a, a discussion for another day. Uh, and the flip side of that, I mean, again, was the Bucks three-point shooting just an outlier as well? Uh, was this a lucky shooting night, 20 out of 47? You're not going to shoot you know, 44% or whatever every night for, for sure. Um, but uh, again, I think a lot of it, you know, the flip side of that is the volume, right? And and there's, I don't think anything coincidental about them getting up 47 threes on a night when Boston was, uh, was really trying to take away uh, the inside. Um what to do with Brooke Lopez? I think that's still an unanswered question. Uh, you know, he hit three triples tonight, which was nice to see, obviously. Um, but overall, 
he's minus 12 on a night when all the other starters are plus 20 or better. Um, so it's not like the jumbo lineup with Brooke or, or any other kind of, you know, combination there really scared the Celtics or really gave the Celtics problems. That's not why the Bucks won this game. Um, ironically, he was a, the only like plus, uh, plus minus Bucks player last game that they, where they lose by a ton. And tonight he's, um, you know, kind of the obvious guy who played a lot that that was a minus, um, you know, this is going to be a tough series for him to play in all, all year or, or all series. He's, he plays 24 minutes tonight. We'll see. I mean, I guess the, the silver lining is that, uh, this won't make him more likely to get a monster free agent contract because, uh, a team like Boston can obviously neutralize a lot of what he does. Well, um, I, I'm still curious. We, we saw maybe, maybe like one example where he got a post up try against a smaller player. That's something that we just really have not seen the Bucks do much at all, all season. I think if the Bucks, I think if the Celtics are going to try to put Marcus Morris on him, man, don't you got to try to maybe take advantage of that a bit more inside? It's tough because the Bucks don't want to play that way. They want to play four out with Giannis uh, being the guy, uh, you know, benefiting from that spacing. So if you're trying to play through Lopez in the post, again, it's kind of counter to, to what you've been about. Um, but I, I do kind of wonder, like, is that something that you might need to try to integrate into your game plan a little bit more? If you're going to play Lopez, do you kind of have to try to take advantage of of these these mismatches more? I mean, he's a guy who's not, he's used to playing in the post from you know the first however many years of his career. Um, so that's something I'm going to continue to watch. We did see him try to get in some more pick and rolls. I think that's obviously another way when he's rolling to the rim rather than just popping. Another way to kind of get him engaged um, in different ways. So. Something to watch out for, um, but you know, again, I, I don't think it looks like Brooke is is going to be a, a guy that you know in crunch time is going to be the guy that that necessarily differentiates you against a team like Boston that can spread you out the way they can. Um, otherwise, negative. I already talked about the um, you know the, the paint points issue. Um, I mean, I think the other obvious question is, you know, look, you you didn't come out of of your two home games with a 2-0 lead. Obviously, that's always the goal when you have home court advantage. Uh, the Celtics, you know, now ha- need to win three games, uh, and they have uh, the majority of the games at home the rest of the way. So uh, it's now, you know, a best of five series, and the Celtics have home court. I mean, that's that's a way you can think about it from here on out. Game seven would be in Milwaukee, obviously, but it's obviously critical that they come out and uh, and win one of these next two games in Boston, preferably on Friday, obviously, to put Boston back on uh, on the back heel would obviously be a huge statement. But um, again, you've got, you know, think about it this way. I mean, you could say you have now two chances to win one game and get home court back and potentially make it a best of three if you uh, if you do get it to 2-2. But really nothing would surprise me. Bucks losing two games wouldn't surprise me. Bucks winning both these games would not surprise me at all. I mean, again, this was a team that was great on the road all year, uh, and I think tonight, you know, they showed that they can make some adjustments that that can neutralize some of the issues that that Boston presents. Not all of them, um, but you know, again, this team won 60 games for a reason, um, and we saw we saw obviously a a, a a good showcase of that tonight. So let's cut it there. We'll be back tomorrow night with Eric to talk more about the Bucks win. We'll have plenty of time between now and Friday uh, to discuss all the ins and outs and what folks said about it after the game and during the practices this week. Um, But in the meantime, hope you enjoyed the game. Uh, This has been Frank Madden. Soak up, soak up that Bucks winning, uh, 
you know, like I was telling, uh, I was telling some of my friends, I mean, if you're not going to enjoy and get up for, you know, games like this, where the Bucks are actually a great team and they're in the second round of the playoffs and they're playing a tough opponent, you're probably just not going to have a good time following an NBA team. Um, so again, tonight, obviously a much more satisfying result than, than on Sunday. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I think I may actually enjoy rewatching this game for a change too. So, uh, hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back tomorrow to preview, uh, Friday's game and talk a little bit more about this one for Eric name, who was not here. Uh, again, I'm Frank Madden. Thanks so much. And, uh, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.